Hello and welcome back to the Tabletop Team. I'm your host, Joe, and with me again this week, I have my two amazing co-hosts. This is Michael, live from Bumfuck Nowhere, Ohio. And this is Julian, semi-live from a very similar area. Yeah, that's a really fun short story when uh, we first met up playing D&D. How long has it been? Three years now? It's been a minute, yeah. But it was just crazy that you guys were 15 minutes away from each other. Blows my mind still. But enough about that. We're talking about our good old tabletop games. And this week we are talking about RNG, RNGesus, or random number generation. That's when you roll a die, draw a card, and you don't know what the outcome is, but the outcome is determined by what it is. That made sense. So did either of you have things you wanted to start off? I got a couple things. I know Julian's been prepping. I think Mike's got no clue what we're doing this week. Hey, I live my life one quarter mile at a time. <laughs> I looked up quite a bit more on like other games that weren't D&D related that use dice rolling and like how that impacts the game. And I wanted to bring up a couple quick things that you guys will know about is doubles in game. So sometimes, so let me give you a good example. So in Monopoly, if you roll doubles, you know, like if you roll them three times in a row, you go to jail, and then you have to roll doubles to get out of jail. Are there other games that you guys know of that require some type of roll, and it's random, and maybe there's a benefit, or maybe there's you know a negative that happens? I mean, we talked about the, a lot about this last time, but Catan, obviously, there's a roll at the start of every turn, and then if you roll a seven, which is the most common number, you get the robber, which is good for you and bad for everyone who isn't you well that's right yeah the robber is a rule or a rule that i always found really interesting and fascinating because it's like okay so if it's right on the desert or if you need to move it you almost have to think well in advance of this so you have to like use that random luck in the moment you don't get to bank it so that's a that's a really interesting one i don't know if this is considered a, a tabletop game but yeah you guys ever played Craps, the casino-style game or, or whatever? Honestly, can't say I have. I've never played it, but I've seen enough of it on TV and video games, so I'm yeah. sure I can be perfect at it in real life. So when you're playing this game, the number seven is either the best number to get because you win, or it's the worst number to get because you lose. And I find that incredible because how often when you win, it doesn't show up, and how often when you lose, it absolutely shows up for that. It's like, hey, man, this is like a one when you needed to get a 20. What are the rules of craps? Like, I, I've never, like I said, I've only seen it on movies and TV and stuff where they just roll dice, and sometimes they have a sexy lady blow their hands. Honestly, that's the main rule. I mean, obviously, the rules are ro- roll dice, get money. Yeah, so uh, there, are, there are so many rules to that game, but the main thing is, like, the game doesn't start until you roll a Four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, and if you roll anything outside of that, the game doesn't start. So if the game's not starting, you just want to roll sevens and elevens. Uh, but also, there's mu- there's so many ways to win. You could you roll two dice, and it's like if you want snake eyes, or you want doubles, or you want any combination, anything that you can roll, you can place a bet on. And think about the odds of you rolling snake eyes. Well, it's like you put $20 down. You're definitely going to lose that $20 if you say, I'm going to roll snake eyes. Like, oh my God, like what a horrible roll. Okay, makes sense. And then I'm assuming the the worse the odds, the better the payout. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, but I want to say that each casino probably has their own rules or rules uh, for different roles. This is really hard to say rules and rolls over and over. (laughs) It's like a tongue twister. Yeah. Craps is more of a social game. Also, Risk is a very fun RNG-based game where you roll die, and whoever rolls better, you win. I hate Risk, and I will tell you why. Because (laughs) Because I've played it once in my life, and what happened was I was playing with my good friend Jeff and a couple other people, and this was my very first time playing Risk, and I got to go first somehow, and Jeff is like telling me kind of what to do, and he keeps telling me, go keep taking territories keep going keep going keep going (laughs) thin the herd thin the herd exactly (laughs) exactly and then i do that my turn and then he goes his next turn wipes me off the game yep that was my first game first time i was like never again (laughs) so the way to play risk is you pick australia and then you win you just sit there and build your army build your army build your army don't take anything over just build that army and then all of a sudden australia just comes out of nowhere and just wipes the board because you've only got two attack points yeah you can you can totally just keep banking it and banking it. so when they start coming at you and hopefully you're playing with more than two people 
because at that point, you know, they're going to wipe out everyone and then you can just like slow roll out of Australia. I mean, it'll be just like real life when Australia gets involved in any war. They just show up Dude, with their kangaroos. Uh, I don't think Australia would win in a war and I don't want to get this podcast off on a tangent, but like, did you hear about the emu war? They lost two animals. <laughs> that is true. I forgot about the emu war. <laughs> declared war on emos and lost yeah. listen of course they lost to emos they sit there and cut themselves for fun. oh my god <laughs> oh no e- emus not emos <laughs> I, I know but Joe no, I know, I know. Said emos. <laughs> listen just because i can't speak doesn't mean you can make fun of me for it so with rng games i was really thinking about now i know these are a lot of child games i'm about to list but i was thinking about how rng is solely the purpose of winning such as like Yahtzee. Uh, Yahtzee is one, but Yahtzee War. can be a little strategic. I'm thinking like Sorry, Parcheesi, even like Shoots and Ladders. Like those are games where it's like you don't get to, there is no strategy. It is a pure luck if you are going to win or lose that game. And it, it it's almost like baffling when I thought about it. I'm like, this is like early gambling. Oh, yeah. Shoots and Ladders has got to be one of those games that I hate playing with my children because there is, if you get far enough in the board, there's one that takes you, and I don't know the the correct one, but I think it might be like 70 or 80, takes you all the way back down to like 12 or 20. And it's like, oh, great, this game keeps going. I said one game before bedtime. Now we're playing all night. It's three days later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're finishing this tomorrow, and it's a snow day. I'm like, dang it. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just crazy to me, I think. Like, how do these games get popular where it's just like, yes, you you have no strategy. It is just luck. I think that's what makes a really good game, actually, because you, you can jump right into a game with someone that's played it over and over and over, and you have just as great of an advantage playing than someone that's played for a while. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, like, Monopoly kind of falls under the same idea of you know, RNG when it's like, you can only, yeah, you can like think about buying properties and like what ones are better to get and trading and stuff. But really it comes down to who's going to land on your hotels first. You mean who lands on park place and then gets snake eyes and lands on boardwalk and picks those right up. That's who wins. (laughs) Is that you, Julian? I freaking wish, man. That is never me. I, I get like Mediterranean and Baltic. My properties that I do like, though, in that game are those two that I just named, and then the orange and red ones. Man, if you people go to jail, and then they gotta roll right into your orange and red prop. See, the secret is you don't even want to roll well with Monopolies right off the bat. You want all those shitty properties that, like, you can buy the set for a very small amount of money. Boardwalk and Park Place aren't even worth it because the statistical likelihood that you're gonna land on those spaces isn't very high. But if you're hitting like all the blues with, you know, hotels, all the greens with hotels. Like you can just, you can take over control over an entire side of the board and just be like, Oh yeah, you're coming up on my side. Mm-hmm. My, my end game strategy in monopoly is kind of my end game strategy in life is to just be in jail the entire time. <laughs> Let everyone else be paying rent, man. I'm over here getting three hots and a cot every single day. <laughs> I should mention, too, for this podcast, last one was just audio only, but we can actually see each other's faces. So it's really adding to the moment. I just got to throw that out there. Yeah. Everybody notices a slightly different energy. I also am using a different cologne today. So uh, I'm going to change it up every uh, podcast. I can't wait till Smell-O-Vision happens. The world's worst idea. <laughs> or the oh, best, yeah. man. Think about the commercials. That'd be great. Yeah, think about commercials. Uh, yeah, I guess they aren't I... always food commercials. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> goodness <laughs> my brain just the, went a million miles <laughs> the smell of version commercial for pepto-bismol no thank you all i was thinking is trojan condoms like oh what the hell is this <laughs> uh, the filet of fish commercial would be a whole different commercial but going back to monopoly right i haven't played a lot of monopoly games myself because two things happen either i get bored really quick and just leave or i get bored really quick and I strike deals with everybody where I say, look, I'm going to just give you my property and I get 10% of your profits. And then I give them out. I get all these 10% profit deals and I go, I'm set for life by people. Yeah. Monopoly is one of those games that everyone has, but no one likes to play. No. And then they get the variance. Okay. So my 
kids got Monopoly Cheaters Edition. Have you guys heard of this? I have. That one I'm actually, out of all the Monopoly editions, there's two out there that I'm very interested about. That is one of them. What's the other one? Oh, the other one is, again, going back to my friend Jeff, because he is just a source of inspiration for me. He had, at his parents' house, they have Reverse Monopoly, which is, like, supposed to be, like, I don't know how it works. It's, like, a communist game. But, like, I keep asking him, like, can we play this? I just want to see what it's like. And he's, like, no, it's for communists. I'm, like, no, why is it in your house, then? Everyone starts with all the properties. (laughs) That's what I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's, like, everybody starts with different properties and you slowly, like, give them back to the government or something. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Like I said, I've never even opened the box. He just has a box that says Reverse Monopoly, and I wanted to know what it is, and we never played it. Jeff, I'm calling you out if you're listening to this. (laughs) The secret is it's just an empty box. There's no actual game. (laughs) Because in communism, you get nothing. (laughs) It's still better than normal Monopoly. So with Cheaters Monopoly, you get like a card, and if you're able to play the card, like which the card might, and I haven't played in a while, but it might say like steal money from the bank or don't pay rent or uh, roll or move your token more spaces than you were supposed to. You get a bonus after that. You'll get like maybe money or an additional roll or something. I, I can't remember all the rules, but it does add a level of I get to watch my children lie to me and figure them out. I get to find their poker faces. <laughs> you know, and so that's like a that's like a really nice thing. I'm like, then I'm at the dinner table at questioning them something, and I'm like, <laughs> I saw you play Monopoly Cheaters Edition recently. You're just telling me the same thing. Julian, there's a wonderful game called Bullshit. I don't oh know yeah, I've ever heard of it. Well, we play we call it Kulo, and it's the okay. same thing. That means ass, and so you like uh, you, you have to keep playing cards and everything, and like lie about how many you put down, and you know it's the same thing as bullshit. I like that. But man, I got to show you guys these Spanish cards sometime. Like they're really weird and trippy. They, they don't have like the hearts or diamonds or spades or, or clubs. They're really weird. It's a taco, a burrito. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not Mexican cards. It's Spanish <laughs> cards. <laughs> no, I know. They, they, they mark, they saw, they saw an opportunity. Like most Americans don't know the difference. Dude, they don't either, man. My, my wife gets told all the time, like, you don't look Spanish. And this is like, yeah, I do. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to say about Monopoly was I haven't played a lot of games, but one thing I have done is I watched a lot of YouTube videos of people playing them because they get into some really fun arguments in those videos. But one thing I've seen consistently in every game is if you have all four railroads, you're almost guaranteed victory. Yeah, that that two hundred, that two hundred uh, upfront cost with no hotels or houses investment is just, it's nice. I yeah. think another advantage of having the four um, uh, railroad properties is being able to have a spot on each side of the board that is a safe zone for you to land on as well, and that that comes in clutch because then you might have to pay the property or the luxury tax or get a chance card, but then bonus railroad land. That's not a bad, you know, position to be in, especially in game. Yeah. So going back to Yahtzee, that is one of the craziest games that I didn't know that there's variables on how to play that. I thought it was just straight up, you know, you get these ones, but people like you bid on different things. Um, I was trying to look it up and find different rules. So there's so many variants on Yahtzee that I couldn't even, you know, pick one to just dive into. So I'm just going to go with the the base Yahtzee. How frustrating is it when you're getting like all sixes, but you've already laid out your sixes and your what is that that one that's like random? That game sucks. Uh, chance. Because, yeah, chance. So that that game sucks because now you have like one six or one four, and you're playing. Your ones, you're you're taking away a whole point system just because you're like, well, maybe I'll get it later. So the secret to that is, and the tops, I've played a lot of Yahtzee because it's uh, one of my kids' favorite favorite game. And the secret to that is, in order to get bonus up top, you have to get three of every number in the score category. Well, obviously, oh. that score is weighted differently if you are short one six versus one one. So basically, your ones become another. Uh, essentially another uh, chance place because oh no i'm minus three points if i get plus any die other than two if i get a four or more boom i've I've covered that yeah i I wish i played yahtzee more to uh 
have a strategy, but really I'm just rolling this thing going, okay, what is it? You know, <laughs> counting. That is another one that is pure chance sometimes. Like, cause you, what do you get to roll twice or do you get to roll, roll three, three times? times? Three times. Yeah. There are very many like key plays. Uh, one of them is I don't ever roll for large straight unless it's like one of the last things that I don't have because every once in a while you just get that first roll of like, okay, one through five. All right, here we go. Turns yeah. over. Thank uh, you. Next one. Yeah. And then like Yahtzee, you want to leave till the end, but it, it's always, it's like nine times out of 10, that game's your who wins is determined by whether or not you get bonus. Yeah. What is the point system for bonus? Isn't it? It's a uh, big so number. If you get 63 points or more, you get a extra 35 points. I've never played Yahtzee. I know I know how to play it. I've seen it before, but I've never actually like played it. The games in my family were Clue, which we talked about last time, and the Game of Life. We played that all the time, especially the PS1 version. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it's like really 90s animated. Like all the characters have like these massive heads <laughs> and they do like these goofy animations and then as you go across the board you get to like different eras of time you go up like increments oh. of 10 years or whatever each time and the music changes it, it's it, it was really fun that's another game that's pretty much random based now that i think about it you, you get yeah. like to choose career or college, college. and then yep. if you like if you land on night school you get to choose if you do that but like most of those things are just like land here do what it says go on see yeah. who wins life yeah, everyone loses at the end the, the great thing about yahtzee is it's a game that doesn't require a whole lot of pieces so if you're trying to entertain young children and you're like well i've got five dice and a pen and piece of paper we're playing yahtzee See, that's the thing joe doesn't have any dice no absolutely not <laughs> or if he does have them all they roll is once Joe's holding up a giant twenty or D twenty. <laughs> I got one somewhere. I think it's in my D and D bag. Got like a. It's more of a counter die than an actual rolling die, but it's like this big. That's perfect for audio. It's that big. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Roughly not gonna apple size. I'd probably just this whole thing will probably get cut, or I'm gonna leave it in to make me seem like an asshole. <laughs> it's that big. Trying to think of other random chance games. You ever play War? I, I think I mentioned this earlier, but yeah, War is a that's a the card game, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, playing cards. Yeah, that's another good. Uh, I mean, we really talked about a lot of dice here. We didn't really talk about card drawing. Like, I think, but you can even do it with dice. Yeah, you can. Yeah, because I mean, especially if you got like a bunch of them, and that that would be a lot of fun. Especially if you played it like Pogs back in the day, man. I'll take your dice, Joe. We're gonna one day just play. <laughs> Mail them to me, dude. <laughs> nope. Listen, the greatest RNG-based card game is the deck of many things, and I will die on this hill. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just realized, isn't like sorry, like even though you draw cards, aren't there numbers on it? So that's like a weird mix. Like, am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. It, it is it is a hybrid game. Ah, uh, yes. Let's make... We're going to take this very simple idea and make it more complex. Someone at Hasbro, probably. Yes, we're just going to take it and make it easier to lose all the pieces. What is that game where they have the dice in, like, a bottle? Or not a bottle, but in, like, a little plastic dome, and you, like, push it and it flips it? What is that not that Sorry. That's trouble, I think. Trouble! Yes. That, yes, that, this that's whole time we've been talking about sorry, I've been thinking of trouble. Well, the thing is, they're very similar games. Are they? Well, like, you have four pieces, you need to get them, you need to get, like, a certain number to get them out of, like, your area. You gotta go around the entire board and then get them up into a safe spot, and you have to get, like, the exact number. Like, it's almost identical, it's just... Trouble uses a die, and Sorry uses card drawing. Mm. The only difference is the level of annoyance it is to be someone who's in the room as someone who is playing either Sorry or Trouble. Well, also, I think click, Sorry click. also has... It does have those cool, like, sliding parts, too, on them. Yeah, but, I mean, let's be honest. Most people don't care unless it's like... Tuk, 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 tuk. Oh, yeah. You got the times when it's like... it. It just pops the die up and then lands right back down on the same number. You're like, well, no, that doesn't count, so I have to do it again. And heaven forbid you have a migraine and someone's playing that game. 
<laughs> well, did you guys want to talk about any other board games, or do we want to start going into our 5e chats? Let's get in the 5e. Let's it's do the it. fifth edition. So, as per usual, and by usual, I mean we started this tradition last episode, but we're going to start off with a bit of news that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. But it's something I want to talk about anyways on the podcast. So this week, which again is to date the podcast, Wizards of the Coast released some new Unearthed Arcana where they added a bunch of Feywild races to play as. You can play as a Pixie, a Fey Hobgoblin, an Owl Folk, and a Rabbit Folk. Now, one of the big, the two big glaring things here is one is that Pixies are only the small category even though everyone knows they're like six inches and the rabbit folk has a very terrible ability where you can hop but you have to roll a d12 and whatever number you land on is the number you get to hop like the number of feet everyone in the D universe uses five feet movement speed so like if you have roll like a one through a four you're not moving anywhere technically so i have a question about this and i know that we talked about this you know in our discord chat but i i thought about a little bit more about the the rabbit one so can you just take a normal jump and it doesn't do the d12 i mean you can always do jump I, it's just that's that's just the ability they gave them here let me well because in my head i'm sitting here going like oh we gotta you know we just gotta hop over this little thing i mean if you're a rabbit you can always ride on someone's shoulder oh yeah how big is the rabbit uh you get to choose you can be a medium or small humanoid I pulled it up right here. It's called The ability is called Rabbit Hop. Once during each of your turns, when you walk at least five feet, you can hop rolling a D12 and moving that many feet in a direction of your choice. This extra distance doesn't count as movement, but you can only hop if your speed isn't zero. Okay, so it's like bonus movement and not the only way that you can move in combat. Yeah, but it's still... It's kind of stupid just being a... I, I just... I don't understand it because... In the rule books, like freaking anything that's official Wizards of the Coast is always in five foot increments. And to be like, here, you get to move up to 12 feet. What does that mean? I mean, obviously, you just roll a D2. And if you roll a one, you move an extra five feet. And you roll a two, you move an extra 10 feet. Because that's that's what it's going to be simplified as. Yeah, I almost want to do uh, what they do. Like, if I run it, I personally kind of want to do like tabaxi rules. So you can hop. I would say you roll a d4 you can times that by five and that's how far you can hop but then you can't you have to like move zero feet your next turn or you have to spend a turn moving zero feet in order to get that back like how tabaxis have their double speed thing that, that's my opinion on how i would run it but that that was like one of the glaring things on these new creatures races they released listen all i have to say is if you're not going to play a pixie barbarian why do you even play the game <laughs> I I think that playing a pixie would be incredible. What are some of the spells that they have? Like, what is some of the like what kind of or not? What are the some of the spells? But what are some of the kind of race features that the pixie has? So the fairy slash pixie, you have a flying speed equal to your walking speed and can hover. You know the druid craft and fairy fire spells, and you can cast fairy fire without expending a spell slot, like most races. And then you also have this thing called Fey Passage. You can squeeze through a space as narrow as one inch wide. Wow. And obviously, much like the, God, what, what are they called? The Kenkus, you can only say, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got, that's what their language is, actually. It just says, hey, listen. Yeah, yeah. Do you got to clap if they go down, like, instead of rolling? If they go down, you need to get the entire world to believe in <laughs> Peter Pan rules, guys. The hobgoblins are actually really interesting because they get they have something called Fey Gift. So you can take you can use this trait to take the help action as a bonus action, which is what the mastermind rogue can do. But you can only but unlike the mastermind rogue who can do it every turn, they can only do it a number of times equal to their proficiency, and they don't have it on range. But then they also get all these extra things. So like if whoever you give the help action to, you can do things like you and the target gain temporary hit points, your speed increases, or creatures that you hit with the help action get disadvantage on their next attack, which is really interesting. It really kind of 
broadens like the ideas of the help action, which I don't think it's taken in combat enough, to be honest. Like most of the time it's done, if it's in combat, it's done by like a familiar. So it sounds like that race specifically would mesh really well with a bard and bardic inspiration, because obviously both of those resources are limited, but now instead of, oh, hey, you get an extra little bump to your roll. Oh, hey, here's the advantage. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I'm thinking is how incredible is fairy pixie rogue you know i mean you're so small you got to be able to hide behind so much and you have the flying rules is written compared to rules for fun it you know the that doesn't say the pixie doesn't have anything specific that says you can hide like how halfling is it halflings i think halflings have the ability where you can just hide behind anything oh yeah I mean, obviously right. the gust cantrip would just be your mortal enemy <laughs> Well, that was another thing I was thinking is that how weak is a fairy going, going to be? Because I was like, oh, you could like go do something and like take an, an item. Like, what are you carrying with you? I imagine it's probably like the orc where it gets instead of getting a uh, a plus two intelligence like the orc, uh, the orc, I believe, gets minus two. So I'm assuming strength would also be at like a minus two. OK, yeah. Well, actually, they got rid of that in the recent Aretta. They've got rid of any any races that have a negative. So orcs minus two, and then I think the dre- the kobolds minus two for their strength. They got rid of. They don't want to give any race a drawback. Personally, I like would st- like if I play an orc, I'll probably still take the minus two penalty because I think that's part. That's a good role playing aspect yeah. built into the character. But you know they fix that. Let me just read to you. So <laughs> there, there's all these characteristics for playing fae characters, specifically the fairies. Let me just read you this list because one of them, one of these is not like the other, okay? You have small wings like an insect. You have shimmering multicolored skin. You have exceptionally large ears. A constant glittering mist surrounds you. You have small spectral horns on your forehead like a unicorn horn. Your hands never look dirty. A noticeable harmless chill surrounds you. You smell like fresh brownies. Yeah, you're right. That unicorn horn thing was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I I just was talking about, and I want to talk about the brownie things, but I think this is kind of goes into what I'm about to say, is that if you were a rogue and you are glittery all over the place, yeah, I don't think you're going to be hiding that well. You're super shiny and you got brownie smell. Oh my God, there's a fairy around here. <laughs> that, that definitely would come into play if I had somebody say, yeah, I smell like brownies. And you're you're a rogue assassin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's that freaking fairy again. <laughs> Listen, I'm an orc wizard. Don't at me. <laughs> orc wizard. Didn't you? Th- someone played an orc wizard. I know we played someone was an orc I wizard. I played a one shot. Okay. I was, yeah. I was an orc, a wild magic sorcerer orc who was convinced that he was a wizard. <laughs> Because he was so dumb, but his parents gave him a little spell book that was just a coloring book and the pointy hat and everything. I'm telling you, that's some of the most fun ways to play D&D is when you have those combos that are, you know, kind of opposite. Like a fairy barbarian would be a really interesting or even like a gnome barbarian. Like I like like that's so fun. Fairy gunslinger. That's amazing. Your firing effects would be pew pew. Yeah. Again, this is, of course, just Unearthed Arcana, which is always like the playtest material, so it's always subject to change, but it's still always interesting to talk about. So let's go into more about our actual topic, RNG. Did you guys have anything fun you wanted to talk about, about, you know, rolling dice and stuff in D&D or any stories? I mean- Obviously, it's always fun when the shiny math rocks go click clack. I know that, see, I have so much to talk about, but I want to bring up one thing is I think it's significantly more fun to roll physical dice than it is to have the number generator just do it. But I know how convenient it is to have the number generator. But another thing is I don't always hate rolling a one. Sometimes... For story purposes, it is absolutely incredible to just be like, this, I need this, like, I need it over a 12. Oh, I rolled a 1. Oh, what is about to happen here? You know, or if you're trying to do something, like, I want to charm this person. No, you rolled a 1. This person hates you. <laughs> I don't mind rolling a 1. I think it's when, like, when 1s get clustered together, you're just like, okay, well, I'm just useless, so... 
Yeah, when you spend a turn and you go, I'm going to attack. Oh, that's a that's a one. Guess that's the end of my turn. And then you go next turn and you roll another one. You're like, well, that's the end of my turn. And like, obviously, like for me, a lot of times if I do roll a one and like, yeah, it's a one, it happens. But like, if something like if there are severe consequences because of that, like, say, if I didn't kill the enemy because I rolled the one and then like on their turn, they killed an ally. Like, I'm going to feel guilty about that, even though I didn't really directly cause it. It's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, that's on me, guys. Sorry. I know for a fact there was one time when we were playing, and that was Flint, the cleric, and I kept rolling really poor, and I couldn't heal anyone. I couldn't do anything, and then I was just rolling death saves. And it was like, even those, I think I rolled a one, and it was like a double death. And it yep. sucked, you know? And like, it's just like, tonight sucks. I, I want to go home. But we always played online, but so I, I went home. home. I know, right? <laughs> so, but it's just like I was like, I, I want to not be doing. Like, can we go back to like anywhere else where we were having fun, just doing things? <laughs> but then on the flip side, when you hit those twenties, oh man, when you hit those twenties, I think they're worth every single one I ever rolled. Other than oh, when yeah. it's like, hey, I want to do this dumb thing. Twenty, <laughs> dang it! It's like five minutes what, into this. <laughs> what a waste. Yeah. No. Clutch 20s are always fun. I mean, obviously, what comes to mind for me is in our campaign where, long story short, we were fighting a dragon turtle. One of our party members was dead, and the other was unconscious, and the two remaining party members were on a combined total of 6 HP. And uh, we had to convince the dragon turtle to not kill us, and that 120 was about all I had. Yeah. To save us from a TPK. That was a Joe accident there. He he was like, oh, I think I think the party was like level 10 at that point. We might have been 11. Might have been 11. But I was like, they can handle this. <laughs> no, they could not. To be fair, the main gimmick of that was to take out the siren that was controlling the dragon turtle. Based on previous fights, I thought you guys would have been able to handle a round or two of the dragon turtle's attacks while focusing on the siren which was controlling it you take that out and then like i would have had like a low dc check obviously things were very different in that case and we got really lucky and i had story-based contingencies already planned for like people's deaths and stuff surprisingly nothing was made up on the spot for that fight because the character did actually have a ring of wishes I i gotta say sometimes when we had those really uh difficult battles where they seem to take like the entire four hours that we'd play and it was only you know like 20 minutes of like in game time that those those emotions you have with those dice roll but no i remember be like practicing my dice rolls as if that were like you know like a batter taking swings like okay what am i getting i'm like oh my god these are a lot of threes this is not gonna be good (laughs) i remember there was one night where i don't know if it was a bunch of ones in a row or a lot of low numbers, but there's a red die. So, Joe, you had sent us all a bunch of dice packs, and they were all different colors, or at least mine were. And there's a red die that I will, I, to this day, I still do not use. And, like, I've thought about, like, bringing it back in the rotation, but I hate, that night really angered me to the point where I an inanimate object is shunned in my home. <laughs> That's the thing called a dice jail. Most players have one. I I will occasionally switch, switch out dice, but I tend to stick to two just in case I'm rolling with advantage versus disadvantage. I will say, though, that metal die don't tend to roll as well as the plastic ones, so it's more likely where it is when you release it is more likely where it's going to be as it ends up. This one. So I'm holding up the red die. I even had to find it because it wasn't in just like the normal because I have like all my stuff like right in here. Assert your dominance and it's just melted. Oh man. I would, but like the, the thing that I'm hoping happens someday is that where I can like, and I do this with my kids sometimes where we play D&D, but I don't play with all of the dice, all the dice. So I'm hoping that I have like enough dice to like have a couple people in a campaign, like in person and they'd be like, oh, I don't have dice. Don't worry. I got you covered. So I mean, I dream. <laughs> yeah, I use like four dice normally. That's just because I'm normally running it. If I'm a player, I will only use two dice. But if I'm DMing, I have at least four D20s that I use and I use at least one one of the ones I got. So I went on a trip like a year or two ago now. God, it's been, been a year, I think. Well, I mean, we've been in coke for a year. Uh no, it was it was a decade last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, you're so right. it's been like twelve years. Oh, COVID right. time. Anyways, 
I went to a nice little halfway across the country trip, not only to see things, but to also visit all these great people I met on the internet. And one of my stops was in Texas and I was hanging out with our friend Haley. We went to a comic book shop and they had a bowl of dice and a thing next to it to test out the die. I just reached in, picked one up. I'm like, oh, this is fun. I'll just, whatever it is, I'll buy it. I roll it. It came up a nat one. I'm like, nope. Put it back, grabbed up the next one, rolled a nat 20. I'm like, this one's coming home with me. Right. And that one rolled fire for so long. And then, as Mike can attest to our more recent games, has been rolling complete garbage <laughs> recently. It happens. Do you guys ever name your dice? I don't, but, you know, if I had a really great die, I would, I would totally name it. This one's called Pablo, but oh, it's nice. because it's a there's a penguin. I think you got, you guys should be able to see it on the camera. Yep. Oh, yeah. It, there's, a, there's a penguin inside of it. I never actually used it in game because it just feels unbalanced. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Just rolls a five every time. <laughs> That's an eight. That's an 18. That's a 13. That's yeah, not too mm, bad. Pretty good. Well, I never use yeah. it during the game because I just, I think, I'm pretty sure this is not it. You can clearly see the penguin is on one side of the die. So I have to ask Joe, as our resident DM, do you have a player killer dice? Do you have a dice that has a tendency to roll really well at the worst times and lead to unfortunate consequences? I think I do. I think it's actually this one right here. I think it's this like darker red one I have. I'm Why does it have a bunch of hash marks in it? <laughs> <laughs> I think this one tends to be like really bad when I'm like I don't. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've. Have I killed anyone on purpose or not on purpose before? I mean, I know you probably threatened it to Flint like every game. I threaten you guys. I threaten (laughs) people all the time because it's fun. I'm trying to think. I don't think I've actually like, I think I don't think I've, oh, to be fair, I have in my other campaign, Barwalk, one of our characters, Lugos, they they are now known for dying as a pastime. Like, <laughs> like we, Kenny. they've had to be revived a few times. Like, <laughs> but I'm gonna argue that most of the time it's not my fault. Sometimes it's story things. Like, they got turned into a vampire at one point. There's this magical wine in my world that actually will send you to oh, crap. Ravenloft. Raven? No, it, it's whatever the heaven equivalent. It's like Mount uh-huh. Mount Celeste. Like, there's a wine that will actually send your soul to mount celeste and so like they drank it and essentially died and people are like ah and then the owner's like this is normal (laughs) so with random you know numbers with dice rolls what, what do you guys feel about spells that increase that advantage or disadvantage so i know that the cleric has I want to say it's guidance. It gives you a plus D forty your roll. Yeah, they have guidance, bless, bane. Yeah, the bards also have bardic inspiration. Don't you get to add a to your roll? Yes. Or yes. Yeah. So what do you guys feel about those? How those impact the game? They're more fun in my opinion. Like especially a bardic inspiration where it's like you roll a D twenty, you know what you're trying to hit, and you're like, I need to get a certain number on this bardic inspiration die to succeed, or we are screwed. Those are fun moments. I definitely like them as well. I'm more like bane though because it's always fun to just be like the the player with low health getting hit and it's like wait you forgot to subtract a d4 and then all of a sudden that 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 hit that potential killing blow goes into oh well i guess i missed oh yeah so what exactly does bane do because i've used it before but i forget it's the, the opposite exact. of bless yeah so it's minus d4 to attacks and saving throws oh nice and the weird thing is it, it targets charisma saving throws which isn't isn't a very common saving throw in fifth edition at least so one one thing that i always thought was interesting so we played our campaign someone was a rogue trickster i believe is what uh, was, mitch was that was arcane trickster yeah, yeah and mitch so so it would be like because my character wore heavy armor so anytime we had to like sneak or something man i was getting like minus so much to you know everything I was you doing, had but, a negative one to your decks and then you also were wearing heavy armor so yeah you disadvantage so, so i just i always had like horrible roles for that but he would be like uh i don't know 105 i'm like but not actually 105 but it was yeah. always like significant i was like how low would you have to roll to fail because he always could sneak it was crazy well because there's a certain point where rogues get an ability where no matter what you roll as long as it's not a nat one it counts as a nine. Oh wow okay and then on top of that you can get 
uh, they get they get expertise, which doubles their proficiency for certain skills. So you focus on stealth, that instantly is like by a level, you know, level three. That's you could have that even level one. That's you could potentially have that as a plus nine, right? If you have a plus five, and then it's two double expertise, so it'd be a plus two profit. So yeah, you could have a plus nine to stealth on level one if you rolled really Holy well. Cow. Yeah, I knew that. I t- I took a level of rogue just so I could balance out that because every time we go into a dungeon, I just be clamoring along, you know, like clang 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 clang. It's like okay, just stop for a minute. We're setting off every trap, and everyone knows we're here. And everyone else was being real silent. So on on, on that topic, what do, you, do you guys have any theories as to whether or not like your dice rolls tell you that you are not allowed to play that class? Because I personally, I'm not allowed to play Rogue. I, I played Rogue in one campaign. And in that campaign, it was about a month long. I never rolled above a five. Oh. Ever. Straight up. Not above a five. So I have a self-imposed rogue ban where I'm not allowed to play rogue. I have, I'm trying to think of all the classes I've officially played. I have played, I've played sorcerers, I've played barbarians, I've played an artificer. I think that's the extent of what I've actually played myself, at least in memory's sake. And I don't think think i've really done any i don't think i have any self-imposed bad classes yeah i also don't have a a robust list of classes i've played but what i will say is i i I stay away from anything that isn't just like almost a guaranteed hit because there was there's a couple like things you can just roll and it is just a damage hit and i like those the best it's like this automatically hits you don't have to roll for uh attack or something i want to think i think guiding light Magic was one missile. is that another one yeah i like that where i take away some of that chance yeah i i feel we'd re- be remiss if we didn't talk about murica campaign our gnome dad maynard he is a no not a gnome halfling he's a halfling divination, divination wizard who lucky. has the lucky feet which means so we'll go from race and up so halfling means he has lucky which means if he rolls a natural one he gets to re-roll that for nothing and then he has three luck points so he can re-roll or have anything attacking him re-roll and then he also has divination which means every long rest he has two times where he can say this is the number that was rolled on that die also something called improved half and luck but Yes, he's. I think he's going to take that as well. So basically, there's a certain point you can take another feat as a halfling where you can use your reaction to give someone else your lucky ability. Ooh. So if they roll it at one, you, he can use his reaction and an ally can re-roll that nat one. Oh my god. He can't use his lucky feature again until the end of his next turn when okay. he does that, which is like the balance. But it is still very good. He controls the dice in this game. <laughs> he is the dice in this game. Yeah, anything in D&D 5e that you can, you know, adjust the dice rolls just with your, you know, abilities it is incredible. And, and you have to take advantage of that. But you, you constantly have to be paying attention to other people's dice rolls to know when it is and when you can use that ability. Because I didn't, oh, guys, on a reaction, like, you got to be like, oh, I got a reaction for this thing. Like, I can do this. And man, that would be such a cool character trait to do or to have. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a fun build. I believe it's referred to as the uh, the Mr. Bean build. Oh, nice. <laughs> because <laughs> Just he's so lucky. Yeah. <laughs> On brand. Oh, man, there's so much I want to talk about, but I don't think we really have time for it. Like, you know, there's the deck of many things. No, man, save for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> If we get to a point where we have a Patreon, that would be amazing. (laughs) That would be hilarious. What's more frustrating as a DM? Having a player who has advantage who rolls one and twos or disadvantage at 20 and a 19. Ooh. I think the advantage of rolling one and two, because every time I give my players advantage and they roll shit, I go, even with advantage? Like, (laughs) I am am a DM who roots for their players. Like... If they roll, if they roll with disadvantage, roll a nineteen and a twenty. I go good. Yeah. <laughs> but if they roll, cause I'm like that means they avoided that crit, but they could still do something fun. But if they, if I give them advantage and they fail, 
like miserably. I'm like, oh man, we all wanted to see the cool thing happen. Right, right. That's exactly. I had to bring that up because in our uh, latest Murica campaign, that happened to me. Both of them in one session, I got hit with advantage, rolled a one and a two, hit with disadvantage, rolled a twenty and a nineteen. I gotta say, as a player though, getting advantage and rolling a one and a two would actually be like. Oh, good. Thank you. I'm so glad that I had advantage because that one would have effed me because, you know, Joe, as nice as he is about a 20, oh, not so nice. He's a he's an evil boy when he when I roll a one. It's not fun. I've always been brutal with my yeah. 20s and ones, like ever since my early days of just making up RPGs on the spot, crit fails and crit successes you it just adds to the flavor to be like, I, I get some people are like, oh, can't you just like miss? I'm like, no, it's funny if you switch, if somebody like overcompensates and throws their sword or they accidentally hit themselves with their sword. Like, oh, just make- I think that that's one thing that happened one time is I hit someone with my, because uh, I think I had a spoon or something and it got lodged in them and I had to roll to get it out again. Yeah. And it was like, okay, so now I don't even have a weapon now. You know, <laughs> like that sucks. Hold on. Let me see if I could find something right over here. I th- I just got one last thing I think that's kind of cool to talk about. So, Julian, I don't know if you've ever had the chance to roll metal versus plastic die, but what is your, do you have thoughts or opinions on that? Okay. So, like no. Metal or better or plastic or? I've never rolled them, but I've always, I think you have some metal dies. I think Haley had some. I think Joe had some. Like, whenever I heard you go, on i'm and i'm like hearing it through my i'm like oh yeah and i always was like is it a good roll it almost makes it like because mine just go click clack and it's like oh what was that huh but when it's like robust roll it's it almost is like it just adds to that it adds gravity to the roll every time Uh, yeah i i love it i want a set but i don't feel like i've earned it if that makes sense because i i don't play enough you don't there is no such thing as earning metal die if you have adult money you can buy whatever (laughs) kind of die you want. well unfortunately i have i have four kid money (laughs) well you know you have four kids that means you have eight expendable kidneys Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I disagree. What if I need more kidneys? <laughs> I harvest these kids' organs now. <laughs> I have eight expendable kidneys. I just wanted to show this thing off on the camera, but I can describe it very easily. So I got this thing from a Kickstarter. It's this cool. It looks like a bottle, and yeah. it's got this thing on the bottom, which works like a. Ma- I can't really show it on the camera, but it works like a magic eight ball. And it's uh, called the Magical Draft of Happenstance. Oh. And this is another, like, this is kind of, think the deck of many things, but extremely light. So, like, you drink it, and then it does, so, like, you look at the thing it says. So, in this case, it says uh, it's not showing up. Give your co-host all your dice. Potion of False Vigor. And then there's, like, a list of cards. But, like, I use this in my Barwa campaign, and Bernard the Bard, played by Jeff, drank it. And I think the first thing he did immediately was, like, go blind. Like, it it made him blind for, like, an hour. And then when it wore off, he drank it again to see what it would do. And it made him, like, experience his deepest fear for another hour. And then the play... And then Henrik took it, and he's like, he's not getting this back. And they haven't used it since, but I have it in physical form. And I just think it's really cool that there are people out there who are coming up with stuff like this. I This is something that makes me excited to play D&D live. Because if you handed that to me, and I was like, okay, here we go. And you, know, you top it up, and you look at it. That just adds even more to what we're doing. Which, like, the deck of many things, like, if you were to fan those cards out and, like, I drew one, or, because I know we did it, we used it in our campaign, but I think that any more, like, anything, right here, yeah, anything to add more flavor to the physical experience is so much fun. I actually have two decks of many things. This is, I have, I got one from... I don't know what this company's called. I'm sorry, company. Oh, it's just called the Deck of Many. That's that's what their company's called. It's called China. I got those, <laughs> and then I eventually got some on Etsy, which I really like. But my sister has those because her character currently ha- has the Deck of Many things in our campaign. So I would also love to see a deck of pointless items where it, it it's just a bunch of magical items, but they're 
basically just useless. Like something that comes to mind right now is like a trumpet of chicken summoning. And then once per day, you can play this trumpet and you just get a chicken. I, I love spells, stuff, stuff and spells like that. Like I gave Henrik a, a spell that lets him summon up to three sheep. <laughs> what? <laughs> but that's all it does. He has no control over them. He, it ju- he just uses a spell slot. He has to bleat like a sheep. And depending on how well he does, I choose how many sheep show up. And they are just there. They don't do anything else. They are just sheep. But he actually used, the first time he used the spell, he used it in a really good moment. They were being attacked by lava bears. Lava bears. Yes. There's a whole story behind that, which I'll have to save for another time. Yeah. But they needed a distraction to get out because one of the players was down. So he goes over to like a group of them, uses this spell, and now suddenly there's free food for the lava bears. But that's for another top time, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I would love to I would love to have an episode of this podcast where we talk about like deck of many things, wonders things like those kind of spells that kind of add to the game without directly impacting the game that'd be really cool to see how much we could come up for that well it depends on how it's done because the deck of many things i always can i i've learned how to twist it so it's not as impactful but that is definitely the deck of many things can definitely end games yeah because isn't one of them wish or something rather than that you get a ring of wishes with 1d3 wishes what holy cow you can have you can get one wish or you can get up to three wishes. Can you um, use them in tandem or do you have to wait for your roll? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. We'll, no, we'll, we'll talk about this yeah, in another yeah, yeah, time. We'll, yeah. Another episode. Yeah. Cause I'll keep going. Did you guys have any closing thoughts about RNG? Uh, it's one of my favorite parts about D and D because it, it does take away, especially at lower levels when you're learning, like how I feel like I, I constantly am right now with D and D is it takes away a lot of the, okay, you have to know so much. It's like, hey, just roll really well. Stop rolling bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think one of my favorite parts of it is when, when you have a character who's supposed to be good at one thing and then another character who's supposed to be terrible at it and the good character rolls a one and the terrible character rolls really high and it's just like, isn't this supposed to be your whole thing? Mm-hmm. It's like when when an orc rolls really well on an intelligence check, but the wizard is rolling horrible, and and everyone that's playing is sitting there going like, "We know this isn't right, but we have to play." Like, yeah, that is a really fun way to role play. My my build off on that is one of my favorite, uh, from season one of Critical Role. Whenever Grog had like a smart idea, Travis would play him having like a brain aneurysm. those are those are the best ones but yeah you know the world of randomness is just trying to impede the real world into our games so let's put an end to it that's my final thought structure order and civility no i demand chaos (laughs) did you guys have anything you want to plug i will be as a resident way too old to be playing video games on the internet and streaming it person i will be playing skyrim on the hardest difficulty with as a mage build on friday nights my twitch username is mboron0219 and if you want to see someone lose all faith in themselves and get really frustrated come check me out i don't have anything to plug but i'm gonna work on this i'm gonna i'm gonna plug something someday i will plug something and it's gonna be good I don't know what it will be yet. Just charge your phone. <laughs> I, of course, will plug the tabletop team Twitch, where not consistently, but like on every other-ish week, we play our America campaign, and we try to stream that. We successfully did it the last two times. Technically, we did it two times. It's just the, f- yeah, the, the first right. of those two times. I didn't save it, so it's not archived. I do have the archive footage of our last stream, which I'm going, I have to edit because it's in a couple chunks, but I'm going to put that up on the internet with maybe like a prelude, but you can come check us out, play Murica and hunt cryptids. We have a fun time there. If you have any questions, comments, or idea, topic suggestions for the show, you can either tweet me at DM Joe Thunder, or you can email us at the tabletop team podcast at gmail.com. I think that's it. Welcome to the tabletop team. <laughs>